Hello, I'm your host, Emily Bars, and you're listening to Generation Women, a podcast focused on decreasing the generation gap in women. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first real episode of Generation Woman. I'm so excited to finally have this out. It's been a lot of hard work, a lot of research, and a lot of connecting with people, which, as I said, is the goal of this podcast. And so I'm really excited for you guys to finally hear from these four amazing women. So our first guest that you will be hearing from is Karen Adams. She is a retired RN, and she is a baby boomer. Then you'll be hearing from Jennifer Bars, who is a high school principal and also a member of the Gen X generation. Uh, Then you will be hearing from Kat Sidebottom, who is a millennial and she's an entrepreneur. Um, And lastly, you'll be hearing from Grace Medley. She is a member of the Gen Z generation and she is going to talk to you about what it's like being a senior and preparing for college during all this craziness. Um, Additionally, you will hear commonalities between these four women and how they've been dealing with it and what their thoughts and what their feelings have been. So, Without further ado, we are going to start with Karen. Hello, Karen. Welcome to Generation Woman. I'm so excited to have you here with me today. You are my very first interview ever, and so you get that official honor. Um, Before we start with the interview, I would just like you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, my name is Karen. My maiden name is Lasher. I was a class of 1976. Um, Things back then were a whole lot different than they are now. Um, No computers, no cell phones. Everything was done at a slower pace than it is now. And back in that generation in the early to mid-70s, females were just going back to college. Most of them either got married or a very few of us had started jobs. Actually, my mother was one of the first uh, that started working when we were in grade school. When we were all in grade school, she decided she'd go back to work, and she's kind of my idol because she worked tirelessly for years. Graduated in 1976, got married in 1977. Um, I did not go to college until um, I was 32. So Karen's intro brings up a lot of interesting points that especially pertain to women. They're just some historical little facts. Um, She talks about how her mom didn't go back to work or didn't work at all until Karen was in grade school. And that was really common for a lot of women, especially during the 50s and 60s. Um, But as the 60s and 70s rolled around, women were starting to be in the workforce more. So you saw an increase in women going back to work just in general. Um, And also Karen discussed how she didn't go to school right after high school. She didn't go to college until after she had started her family and gotten married. And that was common too for a lot of women. She went back to school in the 1990s to get a degree in nursing. And so that was just really interesting. And I'm glad she brought that up because it especially pertains to women and generations of women. Well, thank you, Karen. That was very interesting. I'm happy you were able to share that information with our audience. So now that we have finally introduced you, I would like to get started with our first question. And that is... When the pandemic first came onto the forefront, when you first heard about it on the news, what was your initial feeling? How did you react? Um, when 
I first heard about it back in the early part of March of being um, a retired nurse. Of course, I was very interested in what was going on across the nation and the fact that it was just spreading at a pace that people couldn't, couldn't fathom. And it was very scary. And trying to keep abreast of it the whole time as to what was going on. You can ask my husband. I was very vigilant and watching the news every single night to see where it is, what is going, how many cases there were. Yeah. So you mentioned feeling a little bit scared initially, but because of your background in nursing, you wanted to do some research. And I definitely feel that that probably helped you stay a little bit level-headed and to have a better grasp on the situation. But as you were doing your research and staying vigilant, did you notice an uptick in any other specific emotions besides fear? Maybe maybe anxiety or maybe relief? Well, I've been, I know with my husband, he's in the higher risk category because he does have some comorbidities, being vigilant that things aren't being brought home to him. That was my biggest concern. Um, And... I just, that and my grandkids, I didn't want anything to happen to my grandkids. So we basically, we did quarantine for quite some time and did not leave the house only to go to the grocery. Um, And then my uh, my husband wouldn't go to the grocery. I was the only one um, to make sure that we didn't have any problems. Yeah. So it seems to me like you were just a little bit more concerned than usual. And so you're doing your best to remain cautious to protect your loved ones. And I think that's something that's followed throughout a majority of people. Everybody's just doing their best to make sure that their loved ones are safe. So you've mentioned how you've been feeling, and that's ranged from being scared and being informed to being cautious and concerned. And I'm sure your feelings have definitely been influencing the way you've been thinking. So I would just like to know what your thoughts have been, either from you as a person in general or from a person who has medical experience. As I've watched it from day to day to day, I was more concerned about the fact that it was spreading at such a fast rate that it seemed like nobody had control. And to back up Karen's statement regarding lack of control, in the U.S. alone, as of October 12th, there have been 7.91 million cases and 216,000 deaths. Um, And when we weren't prepared with the PPEs that were needed for the people that worked on the front lines, I was more concerned about my coworkers at the hospitals and making sure that they were taken care of to be able to take care of the patients. Um, That was my main thing is that the first responders and the ones on the front lines, they weren't prepared to handle it. And that was my main issue. The amount of PPE received by each state has differed throughout the United States. Karen is from Kentucky, so she was uniquely interested in the rates of PPE delivered in Kentucky. In March, Kentucky received PPE from the National Strategic Stockpile. According to Governor Andy Bashir, the requests of the state were not completely met. According to current healthcare workers, it is still difficult to get PPE as you need it because limited use is still needed to conserve supplies. So Karen and I were also able to discuss the more visual aspects of living during a pandemic, like masks and social distancing. So here are her thoughts on that. 
Alrighty, Karen, now we are going to discuss the nitty-gritty details that have come with living during a pandemic. We're going to start talking about masks. As we all know, the CDC has recommended wearing a facial covering of some kind in public. Um, and also in Kentucky, it has been mandated by Governor Bashir since July 9th that you wear a mask in public. So why don't you go ahead and tell me what your initial reaction was to having to wear a mask essentially everywhere you go? Well, to me, it was almost second nature because I did it all the time when I worked in the hospital. I actually worked in a specialty unit where we did procedures, so I had a mask on all the time. Um, I just made sure that I had enough masks. Um, I mean, we were going, my husband and I, this is crazy, going through Amazon, looking for masks to find, to be able to have them to wear wherever we went out. What bothers me the most is going to a grocery store and finding people not wearing the mask Mm -hmm. properly because they're to beat the purpose. And, you know, being a nurse, I want to say, could you put your mask on, yeah. right? But no, I just kind of like shake my head and just go on. Yeah, so it seems like you were pretty accustomed to it. And as you said, it's because of your job. And that's probably one of the best things that you could ask for right now. Everything is changing already. So it's probably nice that you were already used to having to wear a mask, which is one of our most basic changes from the pandemic. So now we're going to talk about social distancing, which is everybody's absolute favorite part of living in a pandemic. I'm just kidding. I know it's definitely not ideal, but I also know it's something that we should do. So my question for you is, was social distancing difficult for you? Um, It was for a while um, trying to stay, I mean, to be away from my, my son and his family and not to be able to go with my sisters, like the places that we used to go to. Um, on a, and the restaurants being closed and things like that, it it did change the way that things were done. And you just, it's right now, it's what we call a new normal. It's not what we were used to. And growing up for all those years, having to change our habits and it's, and it's kind of hard changing our habits at this time in our life. <laughs> Yeah, change is definitely something that people do not like to do. Uh, I know it from experience. I've never been a big fan of changing, especially changing so quickly. And that's something that we've had to do in reaction to the pandemic is to adapt to these changes. And so I think that's a positive that we can pull from this experience is the ability to adapt quickly and to react to change in a positive way. And because, as we've said, We've had to change things. We've had to let go of a lot of things and sacrifice the stuff that we're used to. What, so what is something that you're missing the most right now? Well, just the socializing on, on a regular basis. I know my sisters and I used to go out to dinner all the time. And um, we can't we haven't done that hardly since then. Um, my husband and I have placed down at Rough River. We've been down there quite a bit, but of course, social distancing, you can't have the big parties that you've had to have or, you know, just be able to socialize like mm-hmm. you have been in the past. And that was a big change this year going down there and, and not seeing some people that we used to see on the summertime. Yeah, so losing that social aspect has definitely been really hard for a lot of people because as people, we're supposed to be interacting with others and socializing with them. But since we've lost this, I know a lot of people have sought out other means of connecting like social media. So have you been using any other platforms that allow you to connect with people? I'm doing a lot of Facebook, a lot of Facebook. And that's something that, you know, is all new to some of my friends. They don't do Facebook very often, but just keeping in touch with my um, my nieces and nephews through Facebook. 
So Karen and I, and I'm sure those of you listening, have also been using other ways to contact our family members and to stay up to date with all things that are happening during this crazy experience. And I would just like to take the time right now to say thank goodness that we live in the 21st century and are able to do that because I know a lot of us probably would not want to write a letter or a telegram or any kind of thing that is not a text message or a FaceTime call. So thank you for the 21st century and technology. This next part of the episode is going to discuss Karen's unique experience with COVID, and that involves how she feels being a retired registered nurse. Alrighty, without further ado, here we go. All right, Karen, this segment of the episode is our final segment, but it is also a very important part of the episode because it discusses your unique experience with COVID. So you are a recently retired registered nurse, like really recently. You actually retired right before COVID came. So I know you have some colleagues that you've been discussing things with and some friends who have been affected by this in the hospitals. So why don't you tell me about some things that you know have changed in the hospital system due to COVID? Well, with with, um, with COVID and the start of COVID, one, um, families could not uh, be in the hospitals with their loved ones that were patients. Um, and you had to be both family and caregiver a lot of times because there was nobody to be at the side of, of the patient. And being a caring nature of a nurse is that you need to, you have to take care of both the mental and physical aspects of a patient. And to be able to care for them in a way that they feel like they're um, basically being taken care of. Um, you, you know, you find ways to make your patient happy. You find ways for them to be able to communicate with their loved ones that can't come in. Um, that, that's a big change in itself um, because it's been in the past where, you know, if you see that you have a patient that is uh, mentally down on themselves and you can try to find a family member that could get them uplifted and try to get their feelings surrounded like they're going to get better and go home. Yeah. So as you mentioned, it's very hard to take up somebody else's mental health during this time because the nurse's mental health is strained. They're dealing with all these new added restrictions. And now they also have to deal with fully and completely dealing with the patient, not only just the physical aspects, but also the mental aspects. And before they had received help and now it is falling upon them. And that is a big mental strain because as I said, during this time, mental health is definitely not the best in healthcare workers. Um, So there have been some social changes and some added work-life changes, but how did the hospitals physically change? On the professional aspect, you get your temperature taken several times a day. Um, you have to, they hand you a mask at the, at the start of it. You had a mask and that's the only mask you could have for the day. And that was very frustrating because you were always taught, you know, when you go out of a room, you take the mask off and you get another one, but that was the supplies weren't there. Um, so that was another thing, like, how is this effective? It questions what you've been trained for for most of your life. And it's, and then you feel for the rest of your uh, fellow employees. Uh, my biggest concern, granted, that with being a nurse with a respiratory therapist. 
Okay, quick interruption. Just in case you do not know what a respiratory therapist is, essentially, they are someone who works with patients who have trouble breathing or have chronic respiratory illnesses, and COVID is a respiratory illness. So respiratory therapists are very hands-on during this experience. Because when being a nurse, you work side by side a lot of times with respiratory therapists, and they had more of an issue being right in their faces, trying to give them breathing treatments, putting them on the ventilators, um, and trying to maintain um, their effectiveness and maintain their health as well. So that really did concern me because I'm very close with some of the respiratory therapists that I work with. And yes, of course, you were concerned for your coworkers and your colleagues and your friends because, one, you wanted them to be safe and you didn't want them to be taking health risks because you cared about them. But also, that is a part of you. I mean, naturally, because you are a nurse, you have those feelings of nurturing and compassion. And so it would make sense that you were worried not only for yourself, but for the people around you that you cared about. Well, Karen, that is all we have to talk about today. I'm very happy that I was able to sit down with you and talk to you about how COVID has affected you. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. No problem. I'm glad I can help. All right, so now we are going to be hearing from our next guest. Her name is Jennifer Bars. She is a Gen X member. She is also a high school principal, and she is going to discuss uh, the hardships that have come with being an administrator during the pandemic. Now, you may be wondering, Emily, why do you and Jennifer have the same last name? Well, if you were wondering this, uh, it is because she is my mom, and although I could call her mom throughout this rather than Jennifer, I wanted to keep up this level of professionalism So I just call her Jennifer. I just wanted to explain that before we got too far into the interview and people noticed. So without further ado, here is Jennifer. Welcome, Jennifer, to Generation Woman. I'm so happy to be able to sit down with you today. Uh, Before we get into the questions regarding COVID, I would just like you to share a little bit about yourself, your teaching background, and anything else you would like to share. Well, uh, I have been in education for a little over 20 years. I started teaching in 1998 at Ballard High School, moved to Chicago, worked for two different school districts in the suburbs of Chicago as an English teacher. And and then I earned my master's in educational leadership uh, to become a principal. And that's what brought us back to Louisville. And I've been a principal with the Archdiocese of Louisville for just about 10 years. Um, Worked at three different schools. Um, two elementary schools, and now I'm working at Holy Cross High School. Yeah, so you have a really extensive background in education, and I'm sure you're going to be able to tell us all about how you've been uniquely affected as an administrator and how your school has been uniquely affected. However, before we jump into that, I would like to just discuss what your initial thoughts and feelings were and what your initial reactions to masks and social distancing and how they have affected you were. So... So we're going to start off talking about how you felt. How did you originally feel when COVID first came onto the forefront? 
Well, uh, really, I never really paid attention to COVID until uh, we were asked to close school on March 13th. I guess, you know, it just wasn't something that I was paying attention to. I was getting up and going to work every day. And I mean, I knew that it existed. Uh, I just, I thought it would be something that would never truly develop as it has. Yeah. So your initial feeling was kind of like, oh, no big deal. You kind of brushed it off. And I'm in that same boat. I remember before we got out of school, I was very skeptical about the disease. I was like, there's no way it's going to come here. Um, And if it does, it's not going to be that big of a deal. We're not going to get out of school. Um, Little did I know, I was very wrong. And I'm sure as soon as March 13th happened, you were kind of like, oh, I was wrong. So do you want to just expand on that? What was that initial thought that caused you to think, oh, this is not going to be something that we can get over just like that? Well, I think uh, after the two-week period where we were initially shut down, Uh, that's when I realized this is going to be something that we're going to have to deal with for quite some time. And I think my feelings quickly kind of led to not, I wouldn't say panic or anything like that. Just the challenge was not really knowing how it was going to be addressed in terms of getting students back into school. So after our initial quarantine, your top concern was how was your job going to change? You needed to quickly acclimate to this new crazy experience. So during this process, what was your biggest challenge? I think the the, the battle became, how are we going to make school uh, a reality for kids each day? How are we going to handle, you know, your typical day-to-day school functions? Um, and each and every day ended up becoming okay, well, we're going to have to change the way that we do this. Now we're going to have to change the way that we do this. And, and it was more than just getting teachers on board with, you know, the element of online school. This was, this was bigger. This was quite bigger. And uh, it was very, um, it was very overwhelming. And I think the, 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 the thing that got us through was knowing at least as a school that we were, there was nothing that we could do about it. The knowledge that, you know, we just had to to use our resources to the best of our ability and make sure that we were handling things as best we could and coming up with that plan B, you know, the best of our students. Yeah. So even though this time was really challenging, you tried your best to remain positive and that shows that you care. Um, you wanted your teachers to acclimate well, and also you wanted your students to acclimate well. And in order for them to do that, you needed to stay positive and provide an environment that was as normal as possible. So in this next section, we're just going to discuss masks and social distancing. So why don't you go ahead and tell me what your initial reaction was to having to wear a mask? Well, I don't think anybody likes wearing a mask, but if that's what we need to do in order to return to some element of normalcy, then it's just something that you can easily get used to. Yeah. So having a level of normalcy in your life was a big motivator for you. And also the fact that it's fairly easy, it doesn't hurt and it's easy to do. And it allows you to have aspects of your life pre-COVID during COVID. 
So why don't you go ahead and talk to me a little bit about social distancing, how it's affected you personally or how it's affected you at work, at the school? Well, um, throughout our school building, we ask students to be socially distant. I think the biggest impact has been, you know, lunch. That's every student's favorite class is lunch. As a student, I can confirm that lunch is definitely one of my most favorite parts of the day. One, I get to take off my mask for a little bit. And two, the food. And three, my friends. But in this COVID restricted time, um, we've had to create a lunchroom that's socially distant. So students sit by themselves six feet away from their classmates, from their peers, and in the signed seat. And my thought about social distancing, you know, has it had an impact on the students? Absolutely. I mean, we remind students every, every Friday, be aware of who you're around, keep your mask on in public, because you don't know if you could be exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, the other important factor about the social distancing is even though we are having events and things now, they're not to the full extent that we typically do. So, you know, volleyball games, oh, you can only have your parent there. That's it. You know, that's really hard on, on these kids. Social distancing has made a lot of stuff different for sure. Um, you've mentioned volleyball games and uh, eating at lunch. And those are just the little things that people might not even think about. And those little things affect your mental health. So have you seen any increases or decreases in that area? Social distance, I get it, but it's kind of an oxymoron with teenagers who, you know, this is their time to be social. This is part of their their upbringing. And, you know, everything that you read about mental health, you know, how to stay mentally healthy is to be a part of a social group. So social distancing just prevents people from socializing to the best of their ability, which you're saying contributes to mental health. Of course, um, not being able to see your friends, not being able to talk about the normal things you usually talk about does take a mental toll. All right, now we are going to talk about specifically your job and how it's been affected by COVID. As we've stated, you are a high school principal, you're very involved in everything that's going on, and you've really hit a learning curve on trying to acclimate to this experience. And so my first question for you is, what did you initially think regarding your job, regarding school, when COVID first hit? You've kind of touched on it, but why don't you just delve in further? Well, I I was hopeful that we would be able to return back to school. So uh, we spent the summer focusing on getting back to school. And obviously, we used the guidelines from the CDC to develop our reopening plan. But, you know, that was our end goal, because we knew that being online for an extended period was not going to be what's best for kids um, or what's best for families. So we wanted to get back to school. 
Yeah, and returning to school required a lot of planning. And as you said, over the summer, your team focused on planning basically an entirely new school year because you have emergency plans, but you don't have a pandemic plan. So you were coming up with all these ideas, and I'm sure you ran into some problems. Like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? So why don't you talk about that process of adapting and thinking outside of the box? Well, um, I have to say COVID has definitely taught all of us to look at things from a different lens and to be creative in the way that we tackle the restrictions. So as soon as the summer began, it was just essential staff working in the building and we came together and, and we were eventually able to give students a graduation. We didn't have it until August. That was a huge uh, accomplishment given the nature of the restrictions. But then once that graduation happened, we then realized, okay, well, what about homecoming? What about what about football? What about basketball? What about, you know, are we going to have these things? Because we were hopeful that the end was going to come, and it still hasn't. It hasn't come yet. So um, we definitely have had to learn how to be adaptable. Um, I think I think what's been very helpful has been all of the support we've received from the archdiocese. You know, they have a team of leaders that provide for us. You know, the many details from um, health screening to the exact CDC guidelines. I mean, something as as trivial, you know, it seems so trivial to us, but, you know, how are you going to run the cafeteria? You know, there's there definitely is not a, a book on my shelf that describes to me anything like this. And so Jennifer goes on to talk about how the pandemic has been difficult to become accustomed to because, as she said, she doesn't have a pandemic book. There's not a plan for this like there is for a fire drill or a tornado. However, she's received a lot of support from her teachers who are very creative and from the archdiocese. And she continues on to say that the teachers have supported the school, the students and families have supported the school and the plans, and the archdiocese has also supported coming back to school. We have such a strong, supportive community in Catholic schools. Uh, the parents are very supportive. Um, the students were are very motivated to be in the building. I've never seen, you know, such commitment. I mean, wearing a mask uh, has not had to be enforceable. It's just it's something that the kids do without even really having to stress it. I think, you know, in some respects, kids took school for granted. And now it's, you know, it's a diamond to them. You know, it's it's gold and they want to be able to have it. So you talk about receiving a lot of support from your school community and from the archdiocese. However, did you experience any reluctance from your community initially about the return to school? And if so, what did you do about it? So, yeah, I think um, I think there's always a reluctancy when when you have this sense of, you know, a little bit of fear. Uh, and and the thought is, is this going to work? You know, so we um, realized that as we got closer and closer to the start of school and um, we realized, you know, why are we 
ready to hit the start button if teachers and students are feeling like this. So we, we eased off a little bit and delayed our start and spent more time with the teachers to assure that all of their concerns were being addressed. And um, I think that that showed them how much we needed their buy-in. You know, if, if they didn't feel comfortable coming back, then n- none of these plans were going to work. Yeah, because you can't have a school if you don't have people to teach at that school. But even though you've had these discussions with your teachers, have they still had to sacrifice some things? They've had to give up a lot this year. Um, a lot of their instructional time has been lost because we spend five minutes every class cleaning and those minutes add up. Um, not only that, but you know, there's a lot of heaviness to teaching this year because you want to make sure, you know, teachers have kind of instilled in them that I got to protect these students, but at the same time, who's protecting them? So the people who are protecting the teachers are the administration and also in some respects are our parents, you know, so we have to really count on our parents to, you know, send your children to school healthy. And at the same time, we have to give parents that flexibility. Yeah, so it seems like this year it's taking a lot of teamwork in order to get the school year up and running. And that's a really good thing, actually, to have trust between your teachers and your administration, to have trust between your parents and your teachers and your students and your teachers and your students and your parents. And that may seem like a lot, but having that trust builds a better school and builds a stronger community. And I'm sure that will reflect in the years after this. However, I'm sure there are other positives like all of the awesome technology that you're able to utilize through education. So why don't you talk about that, how technology has kind of changed the face of your school? You know, we were talking about positives. I mean, we don't have any absenteeism right now because if you're absent from school, <laughs> you can go online, yep. you know, and um, students know that they don't have to miss a beat because they can, st- if, if they do have to stay home, they can go right online. If they choose to stay home, they can go online. Um, So that becomes a positive thing. So in your professional opinion, do you think that all these technological resources that you have, like Zoom and being able to just be in class, regardless of whether you're actually present in the building, do you think that those things are going to stick around after COVID has left? I think definitely. I think a lot of the things that we're seeing as a result of the pandemic are not going to go away, Mm -hmm. even in even in education. I think we're still going to have all of those things. So, you know, with every event in life, change occurs. And the change that has occurred for the good, I think, is the fact that we are using our resources like technology. And I tell you what, it's it has been incredible the kind of things that we're doing. I mean, I can have a meeting anywhere now. I don't have to have a meeting place. Yeah, so having all these resources at your fingertips has allowed you to do things differently. You can do things differently, yeah. Um, You can make connections differently. And um, while they may, you know, and while they may not feel as effective because you don't have that close proximity, you know, students are still performing well. And so Jennifer goes on to say that even students who are online, 
are excelling. And that's really her main goal is to make sure that all students who are at her school get the quality of education that they deserve. And as an educator, you love learning and love being able to take away new things from an experience. So because of that, what is one thing you have learned from this experience or maybe a few things you have learned? Uh, I think I have learned to be patient. Um, I think that that's a life lesson that we've all had to learn through this pandemic. Uh, I also have learned that you have to uh, be ready and willing to work through the process. And I've got a great team of people who um, are with me through this. So understanding that it takes a team in the field of education to work through anything is, is essential, is important. And from these learning experiences, where do you think you have improved the most as an educator? I feel like the thing that's the most improvement has been just using the technology mm-hmm. and trusting that the technology will work. And lastly, what is one thing you would like your students to take away from this experience? Well, I hope they're, um, I hope they're understanding the, that they can be empowered. You know, like I want students to see that they have persevered. And I think that that is a positive attribute in all of this, that sense of empowerment, knowing that they can they can be expected to do all of these things um, and still thrive. So I hope that they are learning that um, knowledge is power and regardless of the conditions that we're in, they can still continue to um, achieve their goals. Yeah, and that's a really good thing, knowing that your students have persevered and are still performing at a capacity that allows them to perform well and to excel is a nice thing to see, and it's they should be proud of themselves. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm so happy that we were able to talk to you about how you've been feeling, what you've been thinking, and how everything has impacted you, especially through your job. So I hope you have a great rest of the day, and thanks again for coming. Thank you.
Alrighty, now we are going to be hearing from our next guest. She is a millennial and her name is Kat Sidebottom. Along with those amazing characteristics, she is also a mother and an entrepreneur. So we are going to get into her interview right about now. Hello, Kat. Welcome to Generation Woman. I'm very excited to have you. However, before we can begin, uh, you're a mom and you're starting a business. These are very exciting and also time-consuming things. I'm sure COVID has exacerbated the excitement, but also the exhaustion that comes with these things. So why don't you elaborate a little bit on that? Hi. Yeah, um, excited to be here. So I am... Uh, as you said, an entrepreneur and a stay-at-home mom, and COVID has kind of like put a almost a full-time stop to everything that I'm doing for my business. Um, and the boys have just taken over my whole life in the sense of school and being home and needing things 24-7. Yeah. So as you said, it's been super crazy and I'm sure your life has changed a lot. It seems like my life is probably the only life that has changed in our house. I mean, besides the boys not going to school, but my husband just still gets up and he's gone to work throughout the whole pandemic and done everything. And he just comes home and sees the kids for like the three to four hours before they go to bed. And so nothing's really changed for him. And yeah, so your husband's at work, but you're working from home. So has that had an impact on how much work you're getting done? I just, I had to actually hire outside help, uh, recently once everything sort of opened back up to even try and get in like five hours of work for my business. Um, which is still stressful because the kids are still in the house. Like they're not even actually going (laughs) to school yet. So it's, it's a struggle bus and struggle bus in it. Yeah. So obviously you've been really overwhelmed and a little bit stressed because your kiddos are driving you kind of crazy. And I'm sure you are, like you said, you've really been struggling trying to get footing with your business and trying to get some work done. And I'm actually glad that you brought this up during your intro because the first part of our interview involves how you've been feeling throughout the pandemic. So first question, what was your initial feeling when you first heard about COVID? Um, okay. So first... I didn't really think much of it. Like, honestly, I was like, okay, so, you know, we're having a a mini pandemic, (laughs) but like, you know, we know what we're doing medically, like we're pretty advanced. So I was like, okay, well, we're going to shut down for a little while, but things will kind of get back on track. Like I was very much so like, we're going to be done with this. Yes. Positive, very positive for like the first three months. (laughs) And then um, reality started to hit and it was like, okay, we are not, we're not leaving. We're going to start wearing masks everywhere. And so you were just trying to stay as optimistic as possible. I have never really started to let it kind of make me panic because I can't live my life like that. I have um, high anxiety. And so if I even, if I sit and stare at the the news or um, get on Facebook too much, people will just create this anxiousness in me and I won't be able to even take care of my boys. So I'm just still very positive about the whole thing. And I'm not avoiding it. I'm not delusional. Mm -hmm. I just am trying to think more positively than, you know, the whole world's doomed. So. So that positivity really stems from the fact that you're just trying to have some control over your mental health. And of course, that makes so much sense. And as you said, you're not being crazy. You're not trying to avoid it completely, but you just want to be able to stay calm and to be able to be a mother and a good business person for you. 
So speaking of mental health and how you were controlling what you were thinking, I would like to talk about what your initial thoughts were. So when the pandemic first came onto the forefront, what was your first thought? What were you thinking? So basically I was I was thinking about, you know, what am I going to tell my children? Like why their life is changing. Um, and also thinking about what we're going to do for their medical needs. But both my boys are um, allergic to nuts. And so that was a concern, you know, whether we were going to be able to have access to our food supply or um, get to a doctor or go to a hospital if they went into anaphylaxis. So that has been a high stressor. Um, And we actually did kind of run out of some of our food supplies, like the things that we actually like to eat in the grocery store. I'm guessing it's because people just started they bought everything good. And so then people were like, oh, well, this is left. So we'll Mm -hmm. just take this. And, you know, we, we tend to stick to like the nut-free labels and and brands that we trust. So we ran out a lot of, out of a lot of those brands and that was frustrating for a while, but I mean, obviously we survived and. Yeah. And that's crazy. Like I didn't even think about that factor, like how people with allergies would be affected. I mean, there's so many little things that go into this and how they completely changed that you have to adapt to. So along with your food supply changing, you did touch on how you were dealing with telling your kids about this. So why don't you talk about that? As far as, um, you know, the boys and the pandemic and worrying about them being, you know, scared or having anxiety about it, we always talk about anything that they, you know, need to know. Like we wear our masks to keep our grandparents safe and our friends who maybe aren't quite as healthy as we are but that mommy and daddy are going to be okay and you guys are going to be okay. We just need to wear our masks because there's a virus that is just making people sick. Yeah, you don't want to tell them too much because if you do, will you scare them so much to where they won't want to do things anymore? I mean, that's a priority. You want them to be able to be kids. They need to live their normal life like as much as possible Mm -hmm. and without, you know, going to school and seeing their friends. It's difficult, but it's... Yeah. So how were you thinking that COVID was going to affect your business? What were your thoughts regarding that? Okay. So, um, yes, I was absolutely, I was, you know, stoked because I was like, everybody's home. Everybody's on their phones. That's all they're going to do. Like they're going to do schoolwork and then they're going to be on their phones because they're so bored. And, you know, this is my time. This is my time to get out there and make friends and get people following me. And, um, and I even ran like a contest and that went really well. And, um, I was posting every day and, you know, just putting things out into the world and getting good responses. But then my children started to just run circles around me. Um, my three-year-old would just, you know, destroy my house in like a matter of minutes with mm-hmm. toys. And my um, kindergartner was just, he would take three hours to literally write three sentences. <laughs> and it's not because he couldn't do them. It's just because he didn't want yeah. to do them at home. You know, he was like, my playground is right out there. So then I had to personally take a hiatus from, you know, my business and my job and just tell myself that when this is over, I can kind of jump back into it. Were you able to do that? I just didn't. I did not post for a very long time and I didn't put offers out into the world and I didn't send out emails and I just didn't, I didn't do any shoots. What I did do was invest in courses. So I took some classes and I would um, put the boys to bed and then I'd stay up late 
learning. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned how to use my camera inside and out. And I learned, you know, new ways of posing and thinking about lines and light and, you know, all the mechanics that kind of go into photography. So although you were a little bit disappointed, it seems that you weren't right on top of everything and really getting out there, you did use it to your advantage. Even if it wasn't what you wanted initially, you were able to learn, you were able to adapt, and you were able to think positively again and see it as something that was still valuable for your business. All right, so this next segment is just going to be about how you're feeling about masks and social distancing. So what was your first thought when you heard that we had to wear masks? I'm not I'm not really sure what I thought about it. I mean, I'm kind of, you know, it it doesn't really bother me. If it works to keep it away from me and my kids, great. If it only works to protect other people because I have it and I just don't know, Great. It's not really like a hindering mm-hmm. thing. You know, I can breathe and I can wear it around my neck. I can keep one in my car. Yeah. So it's been a relatively simple adjustment. However, the pandemic has also brought along social distancing. So what adjustments did social distancing force you to make? Did it cause like faltering relationships or um, other things like that? For a while, I... um I did like let a lot of my relationships go just because I was so stressed in the beginning with the boys being home. I didn't have like a routine and I was just like, Ugh, just leave me alone um, because I'm trying to handle my own stuff. But then, you know, things started to get easier as we fell into a routine and I started having Zoom calls with my friends and I would do Zoom dance classes. I would just, you know, be outside a lot with the boys and so it didn't really affect my relationship with a lot of people because I think everybody was just kind of doing the same thing in the beginning. Yeah. So as you said, you weren't the only one who wanted to have that space. You wanted to establish a routine. And as you established that routine, which I'm sure you have by now, as you've said, um, you were able to hang out with people. So why don't you talk about that? I mean, are you scared about hanging out with people? Um, How do you do that? Now, I'm not really too worried about hanging out with the people, you know, that I'm closer to. I allow the boys to have some of their friends over and we go over to their houses. And But you're still keeping that bubble. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not like we're not going to restaurants. We don't go to the science museum or, you know, anything else. They attend some of their dance classes where they wear a mask. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. And All right, so this next segment is just going to talk about how COVID has really changed being a mom and has impacted your business. So I would like to reflect on what it's been like being a mom because you've touched on it, how your husband has kind of been having to perform different duties other than you and how he hasn't really been able to understand what's been going on. So why don't you talk about that disparity kind of between mom and dad because mothers have really been impacted by staying at home and having to put their career on the back burner. So talk about that, what it's been like for you and your husband. Yeah. So, I mean, basically women are still kind of in that place where they run the household. You know, we make all the doctor's appointments. We do the grocery shopping, everything Mm -hmm. for the house 
kind of sits on our shoulders. And it's not necessarily that we make it that way. It's just that, I I don't know, dads kind of live this dad life. Yeah, so your husband doesn't have to do the same things that you do. One, because he's not home and you are. But as you've said, because of the pandemic, your kids are home. And so your duties as a mom have been multiplied by 10 and you can't exactly do all of it alone. Yes, um, because now they're just home constantly and he is still just going to work. And he kind of didn't realize it at first, you know, I would call him and I'd be like freaking out because, you know, the kids are just being terrible and I'm so stressed. And he'd just be like, just stop. I, you know, I can't just stop. Right. Yeah. Like he just, he didn't get it. Yeah. And that'd be really frustrating. And so why don't you talk about how it really impacted you being a mom completely changed. And so how did that change the way you lived? So, I mean, I, everything I wanted kind of fell to the wayside. I did not do my hair. I didn't do my eyebrows. I never put on makeup. I didn't get dressed. I mean, I left the house to go to the grocery (laughs) store one time and I forgot to change out of slippers. So my life as a, a woman got heightened to take care of the ones that you love. Mm -hmm. And that is all that's important right now. And I forgot to take care of myself. I can't pour from an empty cup. And I was completely empty and completely, you know, just done. Yeah. And that's, I'm sure, as you said, you were just overwhelmed. You wanted to be done. And I'm not a mom, so I can't say from experience, but I'm sure taking care of two other little human beings is just absolutely exhausting. And you overcame. You were able to adapt. As you said, you found time to just kind of chillax. You got into your routine, but you've explained here, it was just an overwhelming process. And so also something that changed a lot was your business. And we've talked about it a lot throughout this little segment of the episode and throughout your interview, but I would just like you to go in further. So why don't you say what your business is and also talk about how COVID changed the logistics of your business? Um, so I'm a photographer. I'm a dance photographer to be specific. Uh, I have had to change like only a few things Mm -hmm. I would say really. So, um, I obviously have to have everyone sign a release form to, you know, work with me during COVID. Um, I require that everyone brings their mask. Um, although most of our sessions are outside, so I don't require you to wear a mask. And if, as long as I'm six feet from you, you know, I'm not going to wear one either because it actually fogs up my lens and my Mm -hmm. camera. But when I'm closer to you, as we're talking about poses or lines, or, you know, I'm demonstrating where you should be for your pictures, I am wearing my masks. I also want you to bring your mask because, um, sometimes the areas are crowded or you may have to go into a restaurant to change your outfits, depending on, you know, what we're doing. Also with COVID, I would say that in itself has become more difficult finding a place to change. So I've ordered a changing tent and we just kind of tried to find, you know, a little far off place where they can change, you know, inside the tent that's completely private and it just pops up. So that's convenient. But that's that's pretty much it. And if they happen to come in contact with it, they just let me know yeah. and we'll reschedule. It's not a big deal. I mean, you kind of have to wing it. 
winging it is definitely the motto for this year. <laughs> but it seems you've adapted well and you've stayed positive. So have you seen any other positives that have arisen from this whole experience, not just from your business and from being a mother, but the pandemic as a whole? Um, I mean, just being at home with my kids more. I'm trying to take the time to slow down and it has gotten me to slow down. I've used my camera a lot more, which before I think I was just kind of in the mode of like, only take it to the studio if I'm photographing some classes or, you know, I'm just going to take it on this session. But I ended up kind of just photographing life a whole lot more. And um, that helped me become more comfortable with scenarios and lighting and whatnot, along with the, the courses that I've been taking. Yeah. And, um, it's nice to just kind of have my office upstairs. And, you know, now that I have a sitter, know that the boys are, are taken care of and okay. Um, but also, I can just kind of stop and pause and go down and check on everything. And Well, Kat, I'm so glad you were able to sit down with me today. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye bye. Alrighty, so now we are going to be hearing from our very last guest on this episode. Her name is Grace Medley. She is a member of the Gen Z generation, and she is preparing for college and is currently in her senior year. So we are going to be hearing from her right now. Hello, Grace. Welcome to Generation Woman. I'm very happy to have you. How are you doing today? Doing good. How are you? Very good. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Grace. I'm a senior this year and I'm involved in theater, student council, and, you know, a lot of clubs here at school. Well, those are some very interesting things. Now, why don't you tell me, like, what has your senior year been like? It's definitely very different. Um, I don't necessarily feel like a senior. It just kind of feels like junior year part two. (laughs) Well, speaking of how things have been feeling, um, I would like to just get started. And the first question has to do with feelings. So um, really, how have you been feeling due to the pandemic? Well, I feel like due to quarantine and social distancing, I've gotten a lot more anxious just because I've had to spend a lot more time with myself. I'm just kind of, you know, isolated. Uh, I've started overthinking a lot more, been a lot more anxious. So that's definitely different than usual. And so do you think anything has caused that uptick in anxiety? Like, is it all the change? I guess, yes, getting used to it and kind of realizing that it's not going to be normal anytime soon. And that this is my new normal. Um, And just kind of realizing that my senior year and what I had planned out for myself this year isn't going to work out. So I'm going to have to make some adjustments. So can you explain further, like, what are those things that have been changing and how have you adjusted to that? Well, 
I had planned to hang out with my friends a lot more. So that's definitely a little bump in the road. But we've been making do a lot of FaceTime calls, a lot of uh, Zoom movie nights. And I'd also planned to get my driver's license this year, but the DMV will not accept my appointment. So that is also an obstacle I'm having to overcome. Alrighty, so the next thing is I want to talk about what you were thinking. So when the pandemic first came up, when you first learned about it, what were your initial thoughts? I honestly thought that it would be over in two weeks. Like I really did. Just because I had read some stuff that, oh, well, you know, it's so bad in Italy because they have a really large um, elderly population. And I was like, oh, well, you know, we don't have as much, but here we are. So when did it click in your mind that, oh my goodness, this is something that is going to be around a little bit longer than we were thinking? I think it really hit for me when I saw how bad it got in New York with how shut down it was, how many cases they were having every day, how many deaths they were having every day. It really just set in for me that, oh, well, this is going to take way longer than I thought it would. And I don't know when this is going to be over. Yeah, that was really kind of nerve wracking to see, oh my goodness, this is going to be a really big deal. And I, I was scared too. I was like, how are we going to deal with this? So anyways, um, enough about that. Now you're going to talk about masks and social distancing. So what was your initial reaction to having to wear a mask? I was honestly just a little bit shocked because I remember in the beginning when everything happened, like the day that we had to get off school, I was in Kroger and maybe 10 people were in a mask because the CDC said that we didn't need to wear masks. So I was like, oh, well, that's kind of weird. I think they're just overreacting. And then here we are now, it's literally the opposite. You go into the store, most people have masks and maybe 10 people don't. And how do you feel when people in public aren't wearing their masks? Oh, definitely. It makes me really nervous Mm -hmm. just because, I mean, I always wear my mask and I social distance, but it makes me think, what if I get that? Who can I bring it back to? And so, of course, we've also been social distancing. So why don't you talk about how that has impacted you? Has it been difficult? Oh, definitely. I'm just someone who I love to hug people. Like my love language is touch. Like I like being close to people. So this is definitely an adjustment for me. I come from a family, you know, we're all hugging all over each other. Like we don't social distance. So well, yeah, we are now. But, you know, before all of this, yeah, personal space did not exist for us. (laughs) Alrighty, so now we are going to talk about how you have been uniquely impacted by COVID. Um, You are a senior, and so a lot of things have changed from what you were initially expecting. Because, you know, as a kid, you, you dream about being a senior because, you know, you watch High School Musical or basically any other Disney movie. And senior year is supposed to be important. It's supposed to be a fun time. And this year, it can't really be fun. So why don't you talk about how it has changed? I don't get to be as close with my friends proximity wise this year. I don't get to sit with them at lunch because we have dividers up uh, between every seat at our lunch tables. And you can only have a certain amount of people there because of the space the dividers take up. So my lunch table is only three people, but I usually sit with six people. So um, my friends are kind of spread throughout the cafeteria. So I don't get to really talk to them anymore. 
I don't even get to hear them that yeah, much through exactly. the dividers. Even if they're sitting right across from you, you're like, uh, wait. <laughs> Literally. Well, you've touched, obviously, on how social interactions have changed, but why don't you talk about how your school itself, like, inside and out, has changed? Uh, well, there are certain staircases that are either up or down staircases, and at my school, we have a special staircase called the Senior Stairs, and they're carpeted, but we don't get to use them exclusively this year because they're a down staircase, so everybody has to use them when usually it's just us seniors. So that's different. And all the classrooms changed. Like my English class would usually be on the third floor and now it's in the dance studio across the street. So that's definitely different. It's an adjustment just because I usually know where the classrooms are. And this year I've had to kind of relearn where all the teachers are. So school-wise, there have been some social aspects that have changed. And of course, like your building itself has changed and how you get to and from and how you uh, interact at school. But why don't you talk about the education itself? Do you think that you're still getting the level of education that you would get if we weren't in COVID? I still feel like I'm getting a quality education. You know, I feel like I'm still getting the education I came here for. I just feel like... It's very overwhelming because I'm being expected to function at such a high capacity when right now I'm so stressed about how is college going to look next year? Will Corona still be around? Will I get to go in person to college? Because that's definitely affecting, you know, where I'm looking. So there's so much on my mind and that I still have so much schoolwork to do and I still have to wear my mask, which just is kind of mentally draining. I support it. It's just very mentally draining. And, you know, sanitize everything I touch. It's very hard on the mind. So I feel like I'm being expected to function at this level that I can't right now. Yeah. So we've talked about all these changes and everything basically has changed except uh, the quality of education you're getting. And that is fantastic. However, I think the biggest change in education itself has been utilizing technology. So have you been able to adjust to that? I feel like I'm able to adapt pretty easily just because a lot of what we're using is stuff that's kind of similar to programs we've used in the past. You know, Microsoft Teams, that's kind of similar to things like Google Classroom. So it's not necessarily that I don't understand how to use the program, but it's that we're using so many different online programs that it's hard to keep track of which one I need to be looking at for a certain subject. Yeah. So with all these changes, like you said, school has been very overwhelming and you're performing at this high capacity that is kind of uncharacteristic to be asking of people when we're struggling with these outside sources like COVID that are just making us even more stressed. And of course, the things that we look forward to, like our extracurriculars, have also changed. And so that kind of has an impact on the way you perform. So why don't you talk about how um, extracurriculars have changed for you? Uh, it's definitely very different. Uh, for example, theater. This year, we're doing our play with masks on, and we have a smaller cast, and we have to socially distance on stage and during rehearsal. So it's hard to hear people. It's hard to see emotion because half of our face is covered. And it's just hard to really put any sort of production on just because so much of what theater is based on, we have to kind of change up. It's really weird. Yeah, that is really weird. Um, I'm glad that I am not in theater at this moment because that sounds very hard to get used to. (laughs) 
So anyways, um, that's just another adjustment that you can add to your list. Um, another thing that's been a little weird and that seniors as a whole have had to adjust to is applying to college. I mean, that's a crazy experience and applying during a pandemic is even crazier. So why don't you talk about the changes that have come with applying to college? Yeah, um, we don't really get to do in-person college tours this year. A lot of campuses are opting for virtual tours, which is understandable, but just very hard to, yeah, to actually get a feel of the campus because on spring break last year, I was supposed to go on my college visits, but then everything shut down. So I obviously couldn't. So I think that's kind of part of it. It's hard to get a feel for the college. And I think, you know, I personally took all my ACTs beforehand, but I know a lot of people are struggling trying to be able to take their standardized tests. So I think that's gonna that's very hard for some people, for some of my friends. Yeah, not being able to have uh, access to your standardized testing right now is really weird. I mean, I also have taken my ACTs and stuff, so I'm pretty much all set. But like you said, I have a lot of friends that are still struggling to do that. And so even though it's not required for a lot of schools to have an ACT or an SAT score, you still have to have one to apply for scholarships. So I think that's kind of weird. Like, I don't need one, but I do need one. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely, you know, weird because a lot of the big scholarships for the colleges are still based on your standardized testing score. So, yeah, you might be able to get in, but you'd be able to afford it. Yeah, and these are all things that seniors are just struggling with in general. And I'm so happy that I was able to sit down and talk with you so we could talk about these things. Because I think right now, especially, kids are kind of just being cast aside during COVID. And that's not fun because we do have feelings and we our voices need to be heard. And the things that we're worried about should be um, concerns of others also. So, thank you for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that has been the very first episode of Generation Woman. I'm so very appreciative to the four women who sat down with me and told me all their thoughts and feelings regarding the pandemic and were able to express to me their unique experience. I'm very grateful to them and I will forever be grateful to them. And so I'm sure you all picked up on some commonalities throughout the episode that the four generations of women experienced. Um, One of the first was how they were able to adapt to these changes. Um, As we've heard initially, when the pandemic first came onto the forefront, they didn't really think much of it until they realized, oh my goodness, this is impacting me and I don't know what to do. And so they were thinking, how is my life gonna change? But they were able to make adjustments. They thought positively. They were able to overcome some mental health issues that they were having because they stepped back and they twisted it into a situation where they could see that they could have control over it and they could turn it into something that was going to be positive. Again, we also have some similarities between masks and social distancing. Everybody didn't really think much of a mask. It was a very simple adjustment to make and it allowed you to live your life, to go to school, to go to work, to see people that you necessarily weren't able to see. That was the same along the lines of social distancing. Yeah, it's different. It's not ideal. It causes a lot of changes, but you were still able to do a lot of the things that you were able to do. And so I think that is the 
really biggest thing that I saw. Everybody was perfectly fine with um, committing to the social distancing and masks. And I thought that was really interesting. There wasn't any generational difference regarding keeping people safe. And I really appreciate that. And I found it very poignant that no, regardless of your generation, regardless of when you were born, you still care about people and want them to be healthy. And additionally, another commonality we saw was how big socializing with people was amongst the generations. After a while, having that loss of connection, not being able to be with people face to face was an issue, but all four generations were able to adjust to that, to make adaptions and see, hey, how can we do this? Well, one way that they all saw they could do it was by utilizing the technology that was right at their fingertips. Karen used social media. Jennifer used Zoom. Kat used social media to reach out and to uh, be in contact with her friends. And so did Grace. She also used Zoom to be in contact with her friends. And she even did virtual movie nights. And so that was something across the generation. The want the yearning to connect with others and I think that is something that especially connects to Generation Woman. We see throughout the generations that connection is one of the most important things that they have lost and is one of the most important things that they have had to adjust to and because Generation Woman is here to make connections amongst the generation I thought that was very hard-hitting and very important to point out. Anyways, I'm so very excited to finally get this out onto streaming platforms and I hope you all enjoy it as much as I did. Again, these four women were absolutely amazing and I am so incredibly grateful to these four women and my support system that have helped me throughout the way on making this first episode. So once you hear this episode and are able to listen to it, go ahead and go to the Instagram generation underscore woman underscore podcast and make some comments on it. I would love to hear what everybody is thinking. Again, thank you so much, and I can't wait for you guys to hear the next episode. Bye!